Here's a conversation that will have you thinking about whether you're a small business, whether you're a content creator, you're a podcaster, you're a blogger, you're an influencer, whether your small business needs an app. John Lee gives us an inside look into what it's like to build a mobile app business. You're going to love this conversation. Have a listen. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives, guys. Today we have a very exciting guest. We have John Lee here, and he's going to blow our minds with some new information that's going to help you burn into your business. Well, John, please introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, Priscilla. My name is John Lee. I'm the founder of CustomMobile.app, and we're a small agency that makes custom-branded mobile apps for content creators like yourself, podcasters, bloggers, vloggers. And the purpose of the mobile apps is to help these content creators turn their projects into businesses. So monetize their audiences and build sustainable businesses that allow them to keep doing what they love doing. So in the past, building a mobile app for your business is very expensive still if you wanted to build from scratch. So we wanted to make it affordable for any small business owner and especially content business owners to be able to own that mobile channel and invite their listeners, their audiences to download the app and interact with the creators directly, the hosts directly, the main channel that uh, podcasters are delivering their content to listeners. Nowadays, it's definitely the mobile phone. So giving them the opportunity to own that channel alongside their website be able to put the front door to their home on the web, also on the phones of their listeners right where they are. So they're always one tap away from a chat or a conversation or listening to new content, nurturing that relationship directly with their listeners and inviting them and moving them toward becoming financial supporters ultimately, which helps them build that financially sustainable business. Wow, very, very exciting. Well, John, tell us how you got started in your journey of entrepreneurship. Well, the seed of it was there maybe 10 years ago when I was in school. We had entrepreneurship classes and I had no interest in starting a business before then. But during those classes, as we were thinking about new products, I found myself getting kind of sucked into software products in particular. It just hit a nerve. And from that point forward, I've been thinking about software products ever since. I didn't get the chance to build my own until only a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. I decided I'd take the plunge. I thought I had a good idea. I thought I had enough validation to take a risk. And I convinced my wife at that time, we're still married, but I convinced her that, you know, we may only get one or two opportunities to take a big risk in life. Let's just go ahead and try to take one of those now. So three years ago, I borrowed and asked friends and family for a little bit of seed money and hired an agency to build a mobile app, to build my own social podcast app. That was the initial idea. I wanted to make a mobile app where listeners could you know, do all this, the similar stuff you could do on Apple and Spotify and all that. But in addition, to be able to be one tap away from that show's social media accounts so I could see the social feed of any of the shows I was listening to right there, just in case I wanted to interact with that show or comment or just say, hey, great episode. I could do it right from the player itself and then go back to what I was doing because I was always running or doing chores in the house with my podcast on. It was never like I was sitting there just listening. I was always doing something. I personally, as a listener, I wanted a, a way to interact much more easily and then just get back to what I was doing. So that was the initial idea, a social podcast app. And it took a long time to build even just the minimum viable product with this agency. It costs a lot of money, upwards of $100,000. In the end, I was left with something that wasn't shippable. It wasn't ready for production. It was full of bugs. So I had a very bad experience with this agency. And in the time it took to build even this basic product, 
I saw other social podcast apps come and go in that time, very well-funded, very well-built apps that came and didn't succeed in the marketplace. So about this time last year, I came to a point where I was thinking, wow, I have potentially wasted a lot of my life and a lot of money in something that's not going to work. And I kind of came to a crisis point where I was thinking, is there any way to salvage all the work that's been done so far? Uh, the emotional and intellectual investment I've made into this, as well as the financial. And around when COVID was happening, I was thinking, do we build technology for ourselves to make a social podcast app? I see very few podcasters offering their own mobile apps. Only the very biggest podcasters and shows have their own app. So I thought maybe we can make mobile apps for every podcaster. We'll just use our own technology as like the framework or the template, and we can brand our app for others and make it affordable. So that was the initial idea, and we kind of tested it and put the word out there and see if there was any interest. And there was a little bit of interest, and it was like just enough interest to think maybe there's something here. So we kept on with the idea. We kept experimenting, had a little beta group of podcasters to try to see if we could get our process more efficient, get it to the point where we can make it really affordable for everyone. And then in January, we decided to rebrand and relaunch the business as what it is now, custommobile.app. And we've been growing slowly but steadily since then. We've got about 40 clients at this point, so 40 content creators who see the value of owning their own mobile app for branding purposes, but also business purposes. And I've been trying to reach out to more potential customers and podcasters through interviews like this only for the past couple of weeks, which is very uncomfortable for me because I'm not... A communicator. I've never wanted to be a content creator myself. So it's been a stretch to put myself out there, do something uncomfortable for the sake of the business, but also to get the word out that here are the benefits of owning the mobile channel. And now you as a content creator and business owner can also have that advantage as well that the bigger companies already have. Wow, that's a really, really great story. And I think a lot of the entrepreneurs who are listening are really just going to understand your journey because it's a lot like every other entrepreneur's journey and you're doing great as a communicator by the way because oh, <laughs> you're letting thanks. us know what your product is about and it's always good to see the face behind the product john if you just take us back before you jump into your business which you've pivoted a little bit into what it is now what were you doing before then i've always had a full-time job and i still do i've never left my full-time job to pursue my side project completely. The goal one day, yeah, is to do that. But right now I'm a product manager at a software company. I was just interested to know, like, did you have this, let me jump into this and then you left what you were doing or? No, I couldn't do that. I still can't do that because I'm married and I have a five-year-old son and we didn't have the savings to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I'm still working full-time and that's the the main income stream, and this is something on the side of trying to grow slowly but surely into something that can supplement. Why do you think that podcasters should have their own app? Yes, so thank you for that question. And that's pretty much the reason why I'm trying to get on these shows is to tell podcasters that they are business owners. You are a business owner as a podcaster yourself. And I can assume that your goal is to do this full-time if you could, to make an income from it and, and have it be your full-time job because obviously it's a passion. It's something that podcasters and content creators love doing. So you are an entrepreneur, you are a small business owner as a content creator. And as such, you would have a home on the web. You must have a shop or usually your website where you invite your listeners to come and get more of you, get more content, engage with you, the creator more directly on your website, in your home. 
But ultimately, you want to nurture that relationship so they become financial supporters in some way. So you may have merchandise that you're selling. You may have a membership program that you want your listeners to participate in or become financial supporters of. And that's the purpose of your website, to convert listeners into supporters and customers. Now, if you're a bigger business and you can afford to hire an agency to build a mobile app, you're going to have a mobile app as well. Because, again, your app is like the front door to your home right in the pockets of your potential customers or your already existing customers. So that's the benefit of having a mobile app. You can be right in the phones of your customers and it gives the owner that direct connection and you can own that relationship with your customer right where they are. I tell the podcasters that I talk to, not every listener is going to download your app, but as many as you can get to download your app, either through exclusive content or some other incentive to do so, they become much more valuable listeners because you know who they are, you have a direct connection to them, and they're much more likely to convert to becoming a supporter because of that relationship. So from a business perspective, it's something that can really supplement and maybe add on to an existing web-based business that the podcaster is trying to build. I think this is kind of where things feel like they're headed. You can let me know, John, because you're in that space. It feels like content creators are now kind of, it's almost becoming like a profession in a way. A profession in the sense that you're now running yourself like a business in a lot of spaces. For me, I know I listen to the same podcasts over, it doesn't matter that however many are out there, but I listen to the same ones over and over and over again. So it does make sense to have that relationship with the podcaster. Because I meet a lot of podcasters and and just content creators i didn't realize how big that category is as a business a content business is kind of similar to a product business as i thought about it you're making one piece of content that can then be repurposed and scaled just like a, a software product could be built and then downloaded as many times as it can be distributed right so in that way content businesses are really scalable just like product businesses the challenge for content creators, though, is that it's a flooded marketplace. There's so many content providers and creators out there. Yeah, and it's not just podcasters. It's uh, YouTubers, authors, bloggers, coaches, and educators. These are all people who are producing content, and they're trying to get their content out to their potential audience and then turning that content into a business, either through a membership program or um, yeah, there are different ways. Merchandise is a typical way that content creators try to monetize their material. I think live shows used to be a thing as well, and it may come back as well, where podcasters do live shows. So it's a big category. It's filled with a lot of artists who may not be as comfortable thinking about the business side of their art and their creation, but it's something I think that's necessary to become a financially sustainable artists and to be able to do what you enjoy doing going forward. The financial piece has to be there. I think for content creators, a lot of the times you're just full of all these ideas. And I feel like having a space where you can be as creative as you want to be with your specific audience. Mm -hmm. It's unlike when you post on Instagram, you post on Instagram, but you have to remain within a certain, you can be creative, but you don't want to be out there because people are comparing you with other people. Yeah, that's true. And also, if, you, if you're too out there, you may be banned, right? You may be kicked off the platform if you're too out there. So I think for a lot of creative people, 
um, owning your audience and having a direct channel to your audience gives you the freedom, like you said, to be as creative as you want to be and not be worried about being deplatformed. And also not being worried about you post something and then one hour later, it's been copied by a whole lot of people. And people don't think about it that way. But, you know, it is intellectual property, even though you're posting frequently. Now, how does the app work from the perspective of the audience and the perspective of the host of the show. From the audience, it's just like any other app. They would go to the App Store or Google Play, search for your podcast, and it, it'll be right there for them to download. Like 45% of Americans, apparently, that's the number I heard, don't know what a podcast is and don't know how to download a podcast episode. So for a large chunk of the, the American population, at least, having an app may be more accessible as a way to access your content than through Apple or Spotify, learning a new app and learning that technology. All of our clients are offering free apps at this time, but we also give the option to charge for the app. So that's also an option. From the creator's side, we have an admin dashboard. So you would log into your dashboard and you can basically see your app there and manage all the content by yourself. So you can update any of the content and publish on demand. It would go live within about half an hour to all the downloaded apps. One of the drawbacks of things like Facebook and Instagram at the moment from a user perspective is that you're constantly being bombarded with ads. Because I know that somehow the app has got to be monetized. Maybe you can talk mm -hmm. us through even that. So we, all, we do have an ad option for those podcasters that have a very large audience and think that they can get hundreds of thousands of users. Then uh, serving ads might make sense as an additional revenue stream. All of my clients so far um, don't have that big of an audience. And so they're monetizing their app by presenting their products in the app. So listeners can be one tap away from browsing through merchandise and purchasing the merchandise. Um, another way I've seen is they're driving their listeners toward becoming members of their membership program, either on Patreon or some other membership program. Whatever call to action you want your audience to take you would design the app to have that really accessible to them. But some of our podcasters might be coaches. They may have businesses where they want to be contacted. So the call to action is just to contact me. And so you have a button where the listener can just contact you directly right from the app and get in touch. And so it depends on the podcaster and their goals for their content. Some of our audience may not be podcasters. Are there other applications, especially for the early entrepreneur, for such a thing like an app. We're focusing on podcasters right now, but we're building small business apps. As a small business owner, the value, again, of owning the mobile channel is the same. You can sell your products through the app, your service type of a business, like a coach, for example, for them to reach out to you. You're probably producing educational content as a way to attract new clients. So that can be served through the app, whether it's a YouTube channel, blog, if it's written content, audio content, obviously we can pull in an RSS feed if you have a podcast. But any content you're producing in any form on the web, we can pull into the app and serve. Part of your marketing strategy or as like your core curriculum, if you're like an educator, I think having a mobile app uh, can be very valuable, just like having a website. Correct me on this, John. At the beginning of the pandemic, if you were a business, maybe that every business probably had a website or most businesses mm -hmm. had websites. Mm -hmm. You go into a shop, you're not going to particularly go to their website unless really you were looking for them. But mm -hmm. if you already had your clients enrolled on an app, mm -hmm. it would be easy to communicate because to drive people to your website, I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those things that's really, really, really tough. Yes, that's very difficult, but it's one of those things that I keep hearing and I'm seeing is so important as a business owner. Even as a, like a brick and mortar business owner, 
to be collecting email addresses, to be incentivizing your customers as they walk in the door to join your loyalty program or something. So you have a contact detail. The value of having contact information for your customers is invaluable. Then you can directly email them all and say, hey, we're now selling on the website or you can order ahead through our website. Yeah, you can send a push notification through the app as well and say to your users who are also your customers, um, give them new information, communicate with them directly. As a business, to own as many direct channels to your prospects and customers makes the business more resilient when things change like COVID and you need to connect quickly and directly. Absolutely. A great time for entrepreneurs to make use of this. Well, John, let me just talk about entrepreneurship in general. What have been your biggest lessons as an entrepreneur? Because you've been through this journey. Yeah, there have been so many. Um, I think one of the lessons that I keep coming back to is I can't anticipate the ideas I will have on the other side of now. I'm always experimenting. I'm currently in an experiment. I'm doing something. I'm trying to see if it works, if I'm going to bring in more customers. And I can't think of anything else to try. Like I'm just going to have to run this experiment and see if it works or fails. And they usually fail. Like 99% of my ideas fail. They don't work. If they work for a short while, then they just stop working. And I don't really know why, but that's the life of the entrepreneur, just experimentation. And then when I get to the other side of a bad experiment, I just get another idea. It's happened again and again and again. And I feel like it's just part of the creative process where you have to work through the idea in the queue before the next one comes and trying to anticipate it or reach for it beforehand is almost a waste of energy. It's given me more faith, trusting the future and trusting the ideas to come. Focus on what's in front of me now, work through the experiment, give this current idea a good shot, test it thoroughly, and don't worry so much about the next idea because it will come when it's ready. That's one lesson I've learned. Another lesson I've learned just through these interviews is the only way to get good at anything is to do it badly. So don't be afraid to do anything badly and do it again and again and again badly because that's just the only way to get good at anything. And so even these interviews, I've done a couple now and I'm a little bit more comfortable now, but I have to tell you in the beginning, it was very painful for me and for the host because I was brand new to it. And I apologize for the hosts I've talked to earlier on in the process, but that's the way it is with so many things. I've been looking for a job as well, a new job, because my current job was impacted by an acquisition. So we got acquired a, a, like a month and a half ago and because they were restructuring the teams in the U.S. And so I had to look for work again. Starting in May, I, I was putting my resume out there and going on interviews again. And I told myself the same thing, like, you're just going to be bad. So try to get as many interviews as you can. Talk to as many people and recruiters as you can. Say no to nothing. And then over time, after 10 or 15 or 20 phone calls, you're going to start getting a little more comfortable talking about yourself. So that was the mindset I brought into my job search that I kind of learned through these podcast interviews. So many lessons like that that I wouldn't trade, even though the experience has been long and painful and I haven't really seen success yet. I feel like I'm on a track and I'm on a slow and steady trail or journey to build a sustainable business. My expectations were very different earlier on. Bubbles were popped. False expectations were destroyed. I've grown a lot as a person, as an entrepreneur, I'm more of a realist. And I know now much more what I want out of my business. Something sustainable, something small, something that will give me the lifestyle I want for myself and my family. And less so the stories that you hear on the radio or on podcasts, the rags to riches stories, the idea to acquisition type of stories that you hear 
you know, that make great stories, but for 99.9% of us who are building businesses, it's not going to be our story. We're going to be building small, sustainable businesses that provide for our families and give us, hopefully, a better quality of life. I think that's the kind of story that I'm building for myself, and I'd like to share with other entrepreneurs and give them encouragement. You can have a very successful small business. You don't need to be a huge startup or anything like that to have a very great quality of life. It's great that you share that when you first get into entrepreneurship and you've got this idea that you feel is brilliant and it's great and you're excited and you think it's just going to take off. I have a brother who's also an entrepreneur and we always laugh. We can almost say that person is not an entrepreneur just from the way they were talking because the reality is so different from what people think it is and what it appears to be in the media. Great ideas are in abundance. People don't know that. But the actual step-by-step process of building something is quite grueling. Absolutely. It's also very satisfying to begin to realize that, wow, I've been through a lot, but I could not have learned this any other way. Absolutely. I would be naive, just like everybody else who kind of is when they're thinking about entrepreneurship. Thanks for sharing that with us. What do you think is the key to success in the mobile app business? I think from my perspective, I think the key to our success is going to be to try to get the word out to as many content creators as possible. And right now, I don't have a budget for any paid marketing. So it's all on me to generate organic word of mouth and organic um, spreading the word through these interviews and on social media. The process of step-by-step finding my customers and thinking of unconventional marketing tactics. The only way to learn how to grow a business and to find customers is to do it and do it badly. So that's where I am now. If I could encourage any small business owners or entrepreneurs, you just have to do it badly in order to learn the lessons you need to figure out what's going to work. Don't be discouraged. Just keep keep experimenting. Keep going. The ideas will come when you're ready for them. You know, with the websites, I know it's about SEO. Mm-hmm. But the apps, is it also about SEO? I'm thinking, how do you mm-hmm. drive traffic? It's the same thing as you would do with your website. It's similar, yeah. So the words that you would use in your title and your description, there's also a search engine optimization piece of it and the app stores. Usually though, my clients are pitching their apps to their audience. So the audience already knows the name of the show and the host would be saying, download our app on the app store and they would search for the name of the show and they'd find it that way. But the same rules for SEO for your website would apply for your app as well. So you would want to put keywords related to your genre and the keywords that people will be looking for in the app store, it may help make their apps more discoverable. Yes, the same principles would apply. Especially for early entrepreneurs, which is our audience, beginning the organic way and building things up. Because also the organic way lets you know what's working and what's not. Yes. Because when you're paying for an ad, you kind of don't know what's really working and what's not besides the Mm -hmm. fact that you're pushing money through the process. So Yeah, yes and no. So I'm definitely going through that process where... I'm going the organic route to try to get traffic to my website and then learning how to craft my website to be a conversion machine. So something that I've learned and heard recently is you want to get your website into a place where you know it's converting effectively and efficiently. Like you know that a certain number of visits will convert into a call to action. Once you have the messaging and the structure of your site like working reliably, then you should buy that traffic because then the economics should work out where you're converting that traffic into customers. And as long as you're getting a bigger return from your 
prospects and you're paying for customer acquisition, then it makes sense financially. Getting your, the messaging right and testing it so that you know it's working and converting is definitely the first step and will make your paid advertising, your paid marketing much more fruitful and effective. You might have a great product, but you're not messaging right. And so yeah. people aren't understanding that it's a great product. Mm-hmm. The marketing aspect of things becomes so big. Absolutely. That's something I learned also. Just what an art it is really to communicate what it is you do in a way that someone else will understand. Even that is an art in itself. Presenting your website in a way that communicates authority and credibility. Yeah, these are ideas that didn't come to me until I started having to build my own website and thinking in the shoes of visitors, like how would this come across to me? If I landed here, would I trust this website? What, what would I want to see that I'm not seeing? And then asking you know, every visitor that would give me their email address, like, can you give me some feedback on the website? So getting as much feedback as I could to be iterating and constantly tweaking the website to make sure it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is converting visitors into signups or visitors into customers. Once you crystallize your messaging and you know it's effective, marketing is just the amplification of your messaging. I thought that was a pretty good definition of marketing. Thank you for that because you're giving us an insider into entrepreneurship. And I think people really, really need to hear this because sometimes people get misled and you find yourself in hot water sometimes because you're getting all these messages. So thank you for that. Do you think that apps at some point are going to replace websites? I don't think so because we spend a lot of our time on our laptops. I work on my laptop and I still find it much more efficient and effective to work on a laptop or a desktop computer. So as long as we're working on our keyboards, then I think websites are here to stay. Mobile apps, though, are also here to stay because they serve a different function. They shouldn't be just another version of your website. So apps do jobs. You have a podcast app, then that app would do the job of helping the listener uh, listen to your content very quickly, do what they need to do with your content. Apps do different jobs than websites, so they're both here to stay. Oh, thanks for that clarification because I didn't know what the difference was, but like I get it now that the app has got to have like a specific quick job that it does. Good apps have very specific jobs. What are the opportunities that you see in your space? I think we're offering an opportunity that hasn't been available in the past. So if you are a content creator and you're building a small business, now you have an opportunity to kind of stand out. You can have your own mobile app, your own branded presence on the app stores, just like any big corporation and you can afford to do that. And it's not something that's widely available or widely known among content creators. I don't think um, content creators think they need an app. Um, It just hasn't been an option for them in the past. So it's not kind of immediately within their pool of possibilities. You want to get that path to monetization clear in your head. A lot of, I think, podcasters, they want to grow big audiences. And once you grow that huge audience, then the monetization will come. But that's the same track as an actor wanting to become famous. It's just very, very, very difficult to become famous. So having an alternate path to success uh, where you don't need a huge audience, but you're converting enough of your audience to customers, either buying merchandise or buying your services or becoming a member. These are alternate paths to monetization. And when you land on one or decide on one, Um, You can then structure your website to guide your listeners, your audience, your visitors down that path. And the mobile app could supplement and support that. How easy or difficult is it to maintain the app? Is it done by a certain company or the app store? It's done by us. So it's just like a WordPress website or a Squarespace website. You pay a subscription to 
the host for a website and you build your website and they maintain it for you going forward, right? They'll be updating the backend, making sure it's performant and secure. So we maintain all the technology for our clients. We build the apps for them. They have access to the content management system so they can manage all the content inside the apps and publish on demand. But we maintain the technology as part of the service. Got it. What is the number one book that you would recommend or resource the printer? Something that you feel like really changed the game for you in some way? I guess the one that comes to mind immediately, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I read that maybe two years ago. I think we all know instinctively like how important habits are and forming good habits. Focusing on the action, not so much the outcome, to inform the way that I try to see my activities. Another book that I actually bought for a couple of friends and I reread after 10 years was Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I reread that book just a couple of months ago and it just blew me away again. It's not a business book per se, but it, it can speak to entrepreneurs as well. Like, So the byline of the book is the story of success. What are the real reasons people become successful? It's not the ones that you would typically think. I love the way that yeah, Malcolm Gladwell writes and the stories in that book. It, it was just insight after insight after insight. I'd highly recommend that book. But I've been reading Harry Potter for the first time in my life, and I'm on book six now, and I'm just enjoying it so much. And I'm realizing just how important fiction is also to the human experience and to feeding your creativity. And there are all these transient, not transient, but like collateral benefits of reading fiction and being in imaginary worlds as well. At a Barnes & Nobles, I think it said literature is a privilege, but fiction is a necessity. Yeah, it's important to feed our imaginations as well. That sounds amazing. Actually, I never thought about it that way. Now, you got me when you talked about outliers. The, the theme of the book is like there are all these invisible factors that we don't even think about that are affecting uh, people's success, their life outcomes. And so culture, for example, is one of those things that you don't even think about. It's the air you breathe. It's the atmosphere you grow up in, the culture uh, within which you've grown up in can affect your life outcomes. Yeah, so that's one theme. And there are so many like that in the book. I've got to give that one. It sounds like a really great book. Now, last question, John, is always, what has faith meant to you on your journey? Faith is the, the number one important thing in my life. It's the one thing that's carried me, not only through my business experience, but yeah, just through my marriage and through my work life and my friendships. It's the number one priority in my life. And I think, I don't know how I could have lasted this long without knowing that God was with me and is working through me in this process. So the reason I had the faith to even start three years ago was I knew even if I failed, God would be with me. That was what I needed to just even start the journey three years ago and take that huge risk through the years and through the different pivots and frustration and all all learnings in the process. It's been the faith that God is with me and he's working in and through this experience to change me and also help others that has given me the confidence to keep going, the most uh, important ingredient in the mix. Thank you for that message, John. And to our audience, please go to custommobile.app. If you're a content creator, if you're an influencer, if you've got a podcast, this is a great way to get a direct connection with your following and your audience and to serve them better. So thank you so much, John, for your time. For your listeners, if anyone signs up and mentions the show, Reinventing Perspectives, We'll give their um, first month free. So you can try it risk-free for the first month if you come through the Priscilla show. Oh, thank you so much for that, John. Uh, The audience is just going to be so grateful for that. So thank you so much. And thank you for a great interview. Thank you. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do leave a review. Let us know how we can serve you better. And let us know what kind of guests you'd like us to bring on and what exactly it is that you'd like to know. 
Also connect with us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or visit our website www.reinventingperspectives.com where you can grab a free preview of our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. Thank you so much for listening in. We absolutely value your time and we value your input. Have a great day.